0: Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have a very important story, very important message from Miss Tracy Kelly Brake. She discusses the mental health and depression issues that her husband dealt with. So hope you enjoy this episode of
1: Tell Us a Good Story.
0: So, Steph, we just moved into a new rental home. You know who's good at homes?
1: I do. Jay Luby. And? Miss Connie Luby.
0: Yes. They build custom homes. They do remodeling. They do office construction. Steph, if you go to lubycompanies.com, they have a picture by picture here on their portfolio. And everyone is absolutely amazing. I
1: want every one of them. (laughs) I want that one or that one. Oh, maybe that one.
0: The only problem about lubycompanies.com is... It's hard to spell.
1: Uh, There's no way I could spell their last name unless you would have told me. I
0: guarantee they get asked every day, how do you spell that? So friends, it's L-U-E-B-B-E companies.com. Go to that website. Phenomenal pictures of what they do. From new construction to like new renovations, the Luby Companies are here to partner with you. They are also a proud sponsor of...
1: Tell us a good story.
0: All right, Steph. I've got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time?
1: Uh, obviously, You Met Her Where. Oh, I
0: thought you were going to say the Bible.
1: Oh, oops. <laughs> oh.
0: What's your second favorite book of all time?
1: You Met Her no. Where?
0: A <laughs> distant <laughs> second. Totally distant. It's a pretty good book. Sorry, God. It's still a pretty, g- pretty good was. book. But we're so excited. Where can people get our book, honey?
1: Okay, I know this. Uh, Amazon.com. Yes. Barnes Noble. Yes. And, and our website, KevinSteph.com. And, and, and what
0: happens if they buy it off our website? <gasps> uh, what do they get?
1: Uh, an autograph from us.
0: Yes. Who
1: wouldn't want that?
0: Exactly. So, listeners, if you've already read the book, thank you so much. We've had such good feedback. One thing that helps us, if you can give us a review on Amazon.com, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. Steph, I'm excited for this one. We have quite a responsibility with this conversation. That we do. I'm blown away, absolutely blown away. I'm very
1: us. humbled by our next guest. Is the best way I can say.
0: I am as well, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm very anxious and I'm excited to hear the story to help others. Absolutely. So, ladies and gentlemen, this next guest of ours is a mother to two awesome kids, Jacob and Chloe and quite possibly the best hairstylist in all of Van Wert, Ohio. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Miss Tracy Kelly Brake.
1: Welcome, Miss Tracy. Hi there. How are you guys doing? I need to tell you, ever since my mom moved to Columbus to help with grandkids, she has missed you (laughs) so much.
2: I miss her. I love her. Yeah. She's a great lady.
0: I bet. So that's the connection here: is Miss mm-hmm. Tracy knows your mom from yes. her time in Van Wert, yes. right? Okay. So Miss Tracy, we've never met before. I've never spoken to you before. You have, I guess, just listened to our podcast. Is that is that right? Or and you know, Steph's family. I guess.
2: Yes, I've been hearing plenty of stories from your mom about you know over the years you guys getting together, and I was interested when you guys were talking about your your little accident that you came upon and you gave away your shoes oh. I, ah, before. So I, I love listening to some of your backstories because I feel like, you know, I've known some of those stories. So yeah, I've known your mom a long time. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. My
0: wife has a big heart in regards to, I have to protect her at times because she'll give the coat off of her back. As you, I mean, as you did, right? Yeah, With the shoes yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I have to protect her, I feel like. So, people don't take advantage of that kindness all exactly. the time. Absolutely. So, yeah. so for listeners, Miss Tracy here reached out to us a few weeks ago, maybe over a month ago. Maybe a month ago. Maybe right? a month ago. Yeah. And yeah. said that she had listened to one of our podcasts, and she had a story that she wanted to share to help mm-hmm. others. So, two of the individuals that we have interviewed on our podcast, one was Pastor Keith Deal. hmm which was episode, I believe, 12. He is now a pastor and was a childhood friend of mine. And he ended up having a, I believe it was an eight-year addiction to opioids and 15-year addiction to drugs. And by the age of 25, he said he had five DUIs on his record. And just incredible, incredible story by him. And some of the messages we got back from that conversation was amazing. Well, then you had said you wanted to hear his wife's story, Mm -hmm. right, from living with a drug addict and the impact that had on her in her marriage, in having children, and just the stress, the anxiety of dealing with that. There's
1: two sides to every story.
0: Absolutely. So we had that conversation. Again, we had some incredible messages, including a message we received from Miss Tracy after she listened to that podcast and said... Okay, if you guys ever have a podcast that you want to talk about mental illness, mental health, I have a story to tell that I want to share to be able to help others, right? So, and I believe you had sent the message to us, Tracy. You've never told this story, is that right?
2: Um, not not officially, no, not at all. I've you know people around me know the story, but I've never spoke about it anywhere. Yeah, right. for sure.
0: Well. That floored Steph and I, mm-hmm. quite honestly. Again, that you trusted us enough to want to share that to help others. And you trusted us enough to have the conversation with us, you know, and and record it. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you for having the courage to do that, Tracy. Seriously.
2: You're welcome. I'm like I said, I'm not sure how great it'll go. I might get pretty emotional, but we'll try to, you know, get through this today. And since it is my first time, you know, officially speaking.
0: For listeners, tell us yeah, you know, what happened? several years ago and and we'll go from there.
2: Okay. Um, So August 18th of um, 2014, my husband basically ended his life that morning. My daughter had cheer practice that morning and I had taken her to cheer practice like at 7.30 in the morning, came back home and I had not slept well that night. So I basically just took a nap on the couch. At that point, my husband was to my knowledge, was sleeping upstairs, and my son was also sleeping. So then I left to go pick up my daughter, and when we came back home, my son was outside by his car. And so I literally said to my daughter, "Oh, Jacob's up. You know, let's go see what he's doing or whatever." And we get out of the van, and he meets us at the back of the van, and he's like, "Hey, we had a pool at the time," and he's like, "Hey, Chloe, he's like, I'm trying to figure out how to um, check the temperature." on the pool. Can you go do that for me? Cuz he wanted to get her away from what he was about to tell me. And so she, you know, without hesitation went to go check the temperature on the pool and he tells me that he's believes that his dad just shot himself. And so um you know, I kind of was like freaked out and I thought, well, I'm going to go up and see if there's anything I can do cuz he was in our bed and um he was, you know, already gone. So I remember coming back downstairs thinking, I have to choose my words wisely to tell my daughter this. And to this day, six years later, I have no recollection of what I've said to her. The words had to have come, but I couldn't tell you a single thing of what I said. Instantly, she went to the future, which the counselors have said that was a good thing. Her first thing she said was, "Um, he won't be here to walk me down the aisle. And then my husband was an excellent cook. And she's like, we will never have his mashed potatoes again. <laughs> so, you know, the, the process went, you know, the cops were called. My, hus- my son had already called 911 before we got there. And um, it was just the worst day of our lives, you know, just to have that happen, to have my son in the home at the time that it happened. In my husband's defense, as far as my son being in the home, I feel like, I, because our bedroom was on the side of the house where our lane was. So I feel like he probably heard me go down the lane, not realizing that maybe I had come back and my son had gone downstairs. So I think the timing is the way I have to look at it, is the timing that I went into the garage. He probably heard our son go downstairs, then heard me go down the lane. I must, I have to assume he thought everybody was gone because I'm sure he would not have done that with my son in his bedroom you know. And on my son's side, it wasn't uncommon to hear a gunshot out of our bedroom because we had a barn. There'd be groundhogs and things like that. <laughs> <My> dad, <laughs> yeah. really? Against like shooting a groundhog out the bedroom window. What? But my, yeah. So then my son was kind of like, he just felt like, no, that was too close, you know? So, yeah. So it, it was, it was just the most horrible day of our life. And basically, you know, we uprooted that day because we couldn't live in the home. And so we had to live with some family members for about the next three months. And, um, one of my siblings had a rental property and that came open at at that three month timeframe. And so, um, we moved into that for about a year until I was able to get my house sold. Um, my husband had a construction business at the time of his death. And so we basically had to you know, kind of get the house prepared to try to sell. We had to sell, um, you know, his his business, his tools. We had an auction to do that. So it was very, as I look back now, I mean, it was a very foggy time in our, in my life. I can't really speak for my children, but um, it was a very foggy time because you're just going through the motions, you know, like I look back now and like my dad died when I was 18. My mom took a month off work, but my mom was a a management position. So she got paid. So I took a week off work and then I was back at work. And just recently I've really been thinking and I'm like, we buried my husband on a Friday. Both of my children went to school on Monday. Hmm. And so I now think back how wrong that was, but what else, you know, we didn't know the protocol, as to you know how things should go or whatever. My daughter was a freshman in high school. My son was a sophomore in college. You know, my my daughter did therapy. We had a lady that reached out to us at the viewing. Um, my husband had done some work for her in her home and stuff, and so she reached out to us to us and was willing to pay for therapy for us. And so you know we took took her offer, and my daughter probably used the most of that because I felt like she needed. I've just always been about my children, you know, putting your children first, as you guys probably do as well. You just continue to push forward. And the first day after he died, which was August eighteenth, that I had absolutely nothing to do was the day after Thanksgiving or the Monday after Thanksgiving that year, and I just sat and cried all day. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I can't do this, you know. I I gotta stay busy. And as I'm, you know, starting to kind of get into this more. Some days I feel like maybe I haven't totally dealt with it myself yet because of I've just kept busy. At some point too, I almost felt embarrassed that he took his life. I felt like that was a representation of me and our family just for a split second. I I felt that way. And then it's like, well, no, it's, I know it's not my fault because they're dealing with, you know, a mental health issue and they're actually sick, but, um, just all kinds of things go through your mind and go through your head and, Yeah. I'm just, you know, I just have to stay busy and there's still days today that like I still cry, you know, Mm -hmm. just miss him, miss the uh, companionship, miss, um, you know, someone hugging you at nighttime as you're going to bed. You know, it's just really, really been tough.
0: (laughs) Well, Um, hats off to you in regards to your world's turned upside down and you immediately think of your two kids. Absolutely. And it's, and it's fight or flight here. Yeah. It's okay. I'm going to, I got to fight for these two kids, right? I know that the one's an adult, right? Right. And I know the one is in high school and independent, but you did everything that you possibly could in, in a selfless way thinking, even with the therapy, right? I'm right. not going to, I'm not going to take all these sessions for myself. No, no. I want to, I want to give it to my children right? to be able to help them out. So when was the funeral? He said on a Friday.
2: Yeah. So he died on a Monday and um, we had his funeral on a Friday. Yeah. So my son left on Sunday. We had to go back out to the house and pack up his things and thing and just, you know, get him ready to go back to school and, You know, like I kind of joke like, oh, you know, your first child, I'm going to cry when he graduates high school. Well, I made it through that. And then um, when you drop him off at college, you know, I'm going to cry, you know, and and I didn't. And so it wasn't until that Sunday after burying his dad, we're out there and he was tearing up, I was tearing up and he drove down the drive and I just bawled. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, I don't know what those emotions were, but I'm sure they were, you know, a lot of emotions. Right. Yeah. It was just very difficult to realize, okay, he's going to have to deal with this on his own and I'm not going to be there, you know?
0: Right. So during that week, Tracy, what was family and friends like in regards to helping you get through the week, have a memorial service? Like what, yeah, what was the, I guess, outpouring from family and friends that week?
2: Oh my goodness. You know, I'm thankful to have lived in a small community during such a time like that, because the food, the the money that came. It was just amazing how much people donated to us over a course of months, actually. Yeah, that week was just, you know, a lot of family and friends showing up, being there for us. You know, even the, the kids, my son's friends, my daughter's friends. Yeah, it was just amazing. People willing to help out so much. And And like I said, even months later, I can remember driving out to the house because I still kept my address out there and Um, you know, you'd go to get the mail. And I literally got to the point where I would sit in the driveway and be like, okay, people have to stop sending me money. I'm going to be okay, you know? Like, I'm not a greedy person or anything like that. And it's like, there are others that need more than I need it, you know? But it was so appreciative because like, here's one story from the salon. Some lady that I don't even know if she came to our salon. She was from the Wayne Trace area and just felt... Like she'd heard our story, and she dropped off maybe ten or twenty dollars, you know, Aww. at the salon. Really? Yeah, I mean, you know, people from kind of almost all over the country. A coworker that I used to work with in Van Wert lives in Tennessee. Her and her family sent money. I mean, it was just amazing the outreach that came from everywhere. Yeah.
1: So, Tracy, what would you recommend to somebody who you know that someone else is experiencing a suicide? How would you recommend these people help? Is it food? Is it money? I mean, obviously prayers, but what would you recommend to others in this situation?
2: I, I guess just being able to be there. And I know a lot of people don't know what to say. Right. And I don't know. I don't know if you know, but I come from a large family. I have nine siblings. Oh, wow. Aunt. Yeah. And so I almost feel like, I mean, they were there for me, you know, all the way through this. But at times, I think when I needed to talk about stuff, and we're not a very feel our feelings kind of person or kind of family. And so I think they have not known how to react sometimes to that. I mean, don't get me wrong. They supported me. You know, like I said, my brother let me live in his rental for a year. We lived with my brother for like uh, maybe I think it was about six weeks at his house and six weeks at my sister's. But yeah, so they were definitely there to be supportive and stuff, but in just different ways. Like sometimes people don't know how to listen or how to Uh, react to things that they're unaware of, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Or um, things that they're not comfortable with, I guess would be the word. And so I I guess, you know, maybe letting the person just talk and try to be there supportively. I've got some really wonderful friends that just, you know, were, were my one friend, I don't know. She was just my rock through all of this. And there were times that I think when we got ready to kind of go out to the house and clean it out a little bit, um, my family, you know, and that was another thing. We basically cleaned out my house the day after the funeral because oh, uh, gosh. those are the things that, like, okay, all my family's here. You know, everybody was here. I've got siblings from Florida and um, Indiana and um, here, and so let's like, now's the time to do it, or it's going to be all yeah. on me and the kids. Was it
1: therapeutic for you to pack up your house, or would it have been easier if someone just said, "Hey, Tracy"? I have a group of people that can do it for you. We'll go room by room. Would that have been easier or was it helpful for you and your children to be there during that time?
2: I think it. to to look back at it, I think it was really too soon to do it the way we did it. My mom waited a while, um, but like I said, she was able to take a month off. I think we just kind of rushed through and got rid of things. I think I, and, and I think for me, it was the like I was almost fearful to be in the house. yeah. And I don't know why that was, but like, I didn't want to be there because of what happened in it. And I, for the longest time, I wouldn't even go out there by myself. I reached out to clients that were close friends. I have reached, um, I've had friends that showed up at the viewing that were in my wedding, but we had lost touch. And mm. so they're back in my life again. Um, so that, you know, they've came out and helped plenty of times would go out there with me. Yeah, it's just very, very difficult to go through. I think it would have been more therapeutic if I could have put that off for a while.
0: So Tracy, I work, let's say one day a week at a, a church about an hour away from where we live. Okay. And two weeks ago, an individual in their church that Sunday uh, had taken her life. And they were at home, and they had two little kids, right? And uh, she Took her life in in the garage. Well, the day I was at this church, they had the viewing for this woman, and so I went down just to observe. And I knew I knew the husband just from have, have been at the church a few times. And I mean, my my heart was broken for him, but he had to stand there with his family, right? So the viewing started at four, and it didn't end until like ten o'clock at night, right?
2: right and so. Right
0: they had, so when I, when I went down there, like at four fifteen there was a line, I mean, out the door as, as you can imagine, right. Tracy. And you know, the pastor was like, Hey, would you like to say something to him? I'm like, no, I, I don't want to say anything. I'm just going to pray. One, I don't know what to say. Two, right. I can't imagine, I guess, being in that line and feeling like, okay, I've got to talk to 400,000 right. people, whatever for the next six right. hours. And I, I and his little ones were there too in the family and i felt terrible like how hard that would be right yeah. and and like how did how did you and your children i guess even get through that that week with because you, did you even want to talk about it right as people were coming up to you
2: right in the line. right actually my kids and i talked about that maybe a year or so later and oddly enough We felt like we were comforting people. Really? Instead of them comforting us. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, because they don't know what to say. You know, we have a very close family that my son is the same age as their son. They had a middle child, and then their daughter and my daughter are friends. So we've known them since, for like 20 years, since the boys were in kindergarten. They're not the most emotional kind of people. And that husband just bawled. At our or at our viewing and just to see that emotion come out of him was just over the top for us really yeah I should also bring up through my church we have a Stephen ministry program I don't know if you've ever heard of that no and that's a one-on-one um we had so many members go through you know the, the program and then they would meet with a person one-on-one so I did that for the next three years. Um, and that saved me thousands of dollars in therapy where, you know, we met month. No, we met weekly for about a year and then we, you know, lessened at the time and we got down to like monthly on the third year timeframe and kind of felt like we were able to like cut me loose if you want right. to say, you know? but yeah, it's just a very numbing situation and you know, you just. You don't know, or I didn't know the protocol, or if there is a protocol, you don't know if you're doing things right. You don't know if you should have done things differently. It is what it is, and it's just you have to kind of continue to live through it and try to get, you know. I I feel like in our situation, and like if I get a chance here to talk about um, the things in the past too, I believe therapy is one of the biggest things that can help people. And I think that you have to be able to find the right therapist. Also, you know, my husband had seen a couple that maybe he didn't like, and then, you know, you have to be able to have that connection where you feel like you can just spill your guts to them. Right. Yeah. So, so I want to revert back
1: to years before the situation happened. Mm -hmm. You said he was, he'd struggled with depression. Did you see signs where this could be leading in this direction? Let's go back that way.
2: Okay, as I funny, um, we were high school sweethearts. We met and we met out at Vantage Vocational School. Vantage,
1: and so, oh, Vantage. I remember Vantage. What yeah. is that? It's like a vocational
2: school, vocational oh, school. for skilled, Yes, like, to, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's where I went for my cosmetology. So I was licensed basically at seventeen because I graduated at seventeen. Oh wow. So, Yeah, so um, we met out there, and I still have our love letters that we would pass in the hallway. (laughs) Oh, so those have been, you know, awesome for me. But um, as I look back now, I believe he probably was depressed when I met him. But we're talking 1981, 1982. You know, nobody talked about mental health. I didn't know anybody that had mental health issues, and so you know, I can see it now. But then. You know, as I see it, you're kind of like, okay, he's kind of negative a little bit, you know, but let's try to turn that around because I'm a pretty positive person. But so, so for the the first several years, we were married 33 years when he died. I'm sorry, I take that back. We'd been together 33 years. We had dated for eight. So I, as I look back, I probably could see it, but at the time, no, I mean, our Mm. marriage was pretty normal. Um, You know, we had a lot of fun. He was a fun loving guy. He liked to make people laugh. He was a great host and he loved to entertain out at our house. We always had like big family functions and bonfires and things like that. And um, But I think if you read up on like comedians, I think people that do deal with depression like to make people laugh and that's kind of how they hide their internal pain. Hmm. And so that's definitely how he was. But probably about the time 2008 hit when the recession hit is kind of, I feel like when we started seeing really a lot more signs of it. And he tried to like go to the doctor and try medications and he would just never stay on the medications. And so I felt like maybe I feel like maybe, maybe his um, brain was kind of roller coastering from being on them and coming off of them.
1: Mm -hmm. What, when you say we saw signs, what were the signs that you saw?
2: In the beginning, just kind of like, Um, Going to work and maybe just not communicating as much, um, sleeping more, you know, not wanting to go do things as a family or he stopped coming to our family functions. And so being a person that's not depressed and coming from not knowing anything about that, and I didn't know what was going on at that point with him. And so I just got frustrated and I would get upset you know, Mm -hmm. and it, you know, went on for such a while that I just decided I'm not going to sit here with him being sad, not talking, sleeping with my kids. And I think we kind of lost our connection together by not, you know, you hear, I don't know if you guys do date night or things like that, but I, looking back, I feel like it's very important in a marriage to still focus on each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, we did not do that, you know? So I think, Not only his depression, but then there became issues between us, you know, not communicating well, we were not great at communicating. And so I I do feel like that hindered, you know, some of his situation. Yeah.
0: What would have helped? Or I guess, what did you see that helped in moments, right? Because you said he was kind of on this roller coaster where some weekends or some weeks, man, he got hit hard, right? right? Others, hey, he's the funny guy, the family guy. It was just, I guess, life hits you. Right in certain right. moments, right. So I guess right. what what did help uh, in in certain moments back then.
2: Okay, so I'm going to have to go the other way because I didn't explain something to you. Um, okay. I was not allowed on his HIPAA. He did not let me be on his HIPAA. Okay, so I feel like that hindered. And it kind of put me in a catch 22 because like he didn't allow me and not that I needed to know what he talked to doctors about because I don't and Mm -hmm. I didn't, but it didn't give me the access to be able to help him and be able to communicate to the doctors and to help with his progress. And he had been hospitalized for a week or so for depression. And so they never ever like, wanted to speak to me. I went every day that I could be there when the doctor was there, I arranged my schedule and they never once wanted to speak to me. So is that because I wasn't on his HIPAA or was that like, they don't need to know. I feel like in those kind of situations, I feel like they need to know what's going on in the home Mm -hmm. because somebody who's depressed isn't in reality. Do you know what I mean? you know, they, that's their thoughts, but their thoughts are off. So now come around, you know, he's passed away and my daughter deals with depression and she's in therapy. And so with all what I just said about feeling like I was an outsider during those times, she explained to me that as you're going through therapy, they really wouldn't want to talk to me at that point because they're trying to heal him. And so once he would have been healed, or gotten into a better situation, that's when they would bring the family in and then, you know, try to heal the family. But unfortunately for us, we never got to that point.
0: Yeah. I could also see where if I were in his shoes, Mm -hmm. right. And I'm battling 2008, right. And dealing dealing with construction stuff. I I don't want to talk about it. Right. Right. Or, or if I'm going to the hospital, I could also see as a man, you know what I, I don't want to tell my wife. Like, I don't need to burden right. my wife with this. Right. Please, right. please don't burden her. Let me just
2: deal handle with it. it. I'm
0: yeah. going to deal with it. We don't need two people stressed out in our house. Let let there just be one, right? So I, I right. could totally see that. Yeah, that, could, and that
2: was definitely how he was for sure. Yeah, definitely.
0: I could, I could totally see that. What's interesting to me, and again, this is not a one-time thing. You are not alone. Exactly in this situation, right? So I was Tracy, I was looking up statistics earlier before we got on this call. And this is from twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. So this is before the COVID lockdown, right? Mm-hmm. And so yes, COVID is bad. Yes, we I get that. And I, I, I don't want to minimize the COVID the number of COVID cases, right? But I'm always telling right. stuff, can I, I want the media to show the divorce rate in this right. lockdown the depression rate, the mental illnesses, the suicides that have taken place during this lockdown because this has been incredibly stressful for Absolutely. a lot of people from losing their business, losing their jobs, losing a marriage, right? And so, right. Like, I, like I said, the, the actual real-life experience I, I saw a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. this is timely because this is impacting a lot of people, mm-hmm. what, what, you're, what you're dealing with. So, so the stats I saw, Tracy, from 18 and 19... Um, suicide was the 10th leading cause of death in the US, but it's the second leading cause of death between people the age of 15 and 34. Wow. Second, second leading cause of death. Okay. Depression is the leading cause of that, of course. And then nearly 800,000 people die by suicide in the world each year, which is one suicide per 40 seconds.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah.
0: And again, this is pre COVID.
2: Yeah. data, right. okay? Right. The, other, the,
0: the other thing, and this surprised me, the rate of suicide is highest in middle-aged white men. And white men accounted for 70% of suicide deaths in 2018. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's driving that, but I did know men are much more likely to take their lives than, than females are. And the stat was in 2018, men died by suicide four times more often than women did. Wow. And, I don't, and I don't know if it's no, the, the stress you have as a provider right. of right. dealing with work, with dealing with life, your business. Right. I, I don't know why that is. I know that the methods could be different as well via firearm right. versus cutting a wrist or pills, whatever. But it, it surprised me 70% of suicides were white men and it's highest in middle-aged white men which was interesting. So you are not alone on this. Right.
2: Right, so- and, and I was um, shortly after when my son was at school, we were talking and I was, I, we were on the phone and I was just kind of like maybe feeling like we were the only people, you know, in that situation. And he, he was like, mom, we are not the only ones that deal with this. And he was like, also like, we did the best we could with the knowledge that we were given since he didn't allow us on, allow me on the HIPAA. And I think that was, yeah, I think that was the hardest part of it because not being able to feel like I, I didn't know how to help him because I wasn't given enough information, you know, and I, I just feel like maybe one of the doctors or something should have said, well, maybe you two should be in therapy or, you know, it was just, it was just a bad situation that, you know, looking back, I think there's things that I could have done differently as far as like, you know, trying to be a better wife, trying to understand it more, but not ever being around anybody that um, had depression or, you know, not experiencing myself. I just really didn't know how to be that supportive wife, you know, or how to be there for him. And like you said, you know, being the man and, and he was definitely just what you described, you know, he was the provider of the home. And so when he felt like there wasn't any work coming yet, I think he could have survived the recession, but like, like I said, he wasn't picking up phone calls and things like that. And so, yeah, I I don't know how to feel because I don't know how that feels to be, you know, in a depressed, you know, mental health issue. So um, it was just very, very hard to see that and very hard to um, communicate. And I think that was the biggest thing is our communication. One thing you just said, Tracy, is you're like,
1: I don't know what else I could have done. How could I've been there? I guarantee you just from listening to my mom talk about you and this <laughs> conversation we've had you were there right yeah. you were also in survival mode you're a hairdresser you're a mom of two your your husband is depressed he's not getting you know not answering calls not going to work so you're doing the grocery shopping the cleaning taking care of the right. kids running the kids doing your work
0: dropping you're, off at cheerleading dro- practice yeah
1: like you are doing everything. You can only do so much. So I don't want you to think back, like, what more could I have done? In that season of your life, you were doing all you could. I'm pretty sure you were probably stretched so thin already that sometimes when your husband's just sitting there, you're like, okay, I've got to take care of this part of my life so the kids can still have a normal functioning
0: family.
1: family. Yes. Yeah.
0: Tracy, for someone who's listening here, what would you what advice I guess would you give them if they see a spouse that's dealing with mental health issues or going through a rough time and you do see their mood spike all the time, whether it's given what's going on with the economy, the environment, their family situation, what, right. would, what would you recommend for them?
2: Yeah. So basically therapy, trying to help them stay on medication, help them find the right, right medications. Um, Cause that's a balance in itself. And honestly, we kind of went the route of a general practitioner that was dosing or giving out the medication. I feel like you need to get to a psychiatrist because they're the ones that actually should be dosing out your medication, not a GP. And then, then the, you know, the therapist or whatever. Um, I feel like we kind of did that wrong, but you know, we were lack of funds too. Mm-hmm. So,
0: so, Again, we're doing this to be able to help others, because right now, as you know, this is an incredibly hard time for people that are dealing with stress, anxiety, being cooped up to the house, feeling like their world is falling apart. So mm-hmm. I really, truly believe this is very timely, Tracy, in Absolutely. regards to being able to help someone who, who may be listening to this on their way to work, right? and they're already stressed out about what right. they're going to, what they're going to have to handle. In a few minutes, once they get to work or they're at work right now, listening to this and they're stressed out, feeling like their world's falling apart. So um, again, I really feel like this is very timely in regards to it's going to help someone.
2: So speaking of the COVID time, I, I lose my job, you know, for nine weeks and I just bawled, which, okay. I also have another business. I have a cleaning business. So I also, you know, clean businesses and I clean homes and stuff. So I lost the salon job because of COVID. And my reality was I'm still ticked at my husband because he was a gardener. He could feed me. If things get really unsettling in this world, he knows how to shoot a gun. He's going to protect us. So I lost my security as well. Um, I think I still struggle with that a lot, that he's not here to provide that security for me. hmm
0: Well, Tracy, times like these, I, I don't know what to say, right? Mm-hmm. And when I don't know what to say, what I do is I pray. Right. Would you mind if we prayed with you right now? That would
2: be awesome. Thank you so much.
0: And it, we can edit this out if we need to, but uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. pray for you and I'm going to pray for listeners. I know that we do, not, we do not advertise this as a Christian podcast, but I'm going here anyway. Yeah. So Heavenly Father, I thank you. Miss Tracy Kelly Brink. God, I thank you for the courage that it took for her to have a conversation with us. God, I pray that this story, that this experience would help somebody out there. God, and I pray for her family right now, her son, her daughter, Tracy as well. And I speak love and hope and joy and over peace. this family. Yes. And I bind every tack of the enemy that has come against this family. I bind the spirit of depression. I bind the spirit of suicide. I bind the spirit of all mental health issues. And we release the kingdom of God right now over Tracy and her family. God, that they will look back on the memories they had with their husband, their father, and it won't be
2: It won't be a
0: sad. It won't be a hurt Mm. every day of their lives. But it would be like, we had a great life with our dad. We had a great life with my husband. God, they would have peace as they continue to walk this out every single day. And I just speak love and peace over this family, that it would be like hitting a reset button from here on out. We give this family to you. In Jesus' name.
1: And God, I just speak over any listener that is going through the situation. God, that they can hear this episode and God, that they know there is hope. No, they know that they can go to a family friend, a pastor, a wife. God, because everyone wants to help. God, that they just feel the love surrounding them. And God, I just pray over everyone right now struggling in the situation. God, that you wrap your arms around them. And God, that they know that they can go to someone so they can talk and get through the situation in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, one, one thing I wrote down was the Suicide Awareness Hotline.
2: I and did too. That's did, awesome. Yeah. I to mention yeah. that. Yes. yes.
0: So you can yes. you can reach out, listeners. Please, if you have any issues, please reach out. Suicide Awareness Hotline. It's one 800 273 8255. And we will put this in the show notes as well that you can reference if, if you need that. But yeah, 1 800 273 8255. So, Miss Tracy, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. I
2: have goosebumps. I was just thank amazing. you so much for letting me use your podcast to oh. um, on this. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: And if you're in the Van Wert area, go to Miss Tracy. She'll do your hair. Best hot hairstylist in Van Wert, Ohio.
1: My mom would attest to that. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes.
0: Thank you, Tracy.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Listeners, if you like what you just saw, like what you just heard, please go to iTunes, go to YouTube, and subscribe, rate, review this podcast. That's the only way we'll be able to continue to produce this. Where else can they go, Stephanie?
1: They can go to kevinandsteph.com. That's all I know. So, is that it?
0: You crushed it. Yes, crushed it. Thank you, listeners.